Well, Chris, as we get ready for football season, uh, we've got Bengals, Browns, and Buckeyes previews for the folks here on the Spielman and Hooley podcast. Let's start with the Buckeyes. Ryan Day will have his press conference on Tuesday. We're looking forward to that. Uh, Justin Fields' debut as Buckeye starting quarterback. Lane Kiffin coming in here with Florida Atlantic. Uh, just your thoughts on Ohio State and, um, you know, another team that a lot well, of people have a lot of expectations for. I mean, one of the benefits of having Ryan Day, or being Ryan Day, I should say, is the fact that Urban Meyer left him a pretty good program. I'd say. And, what, and, 11 wins or more, seven and, straight years? And so, yeah, we, we talked about this, though, right? So what's one thing Ohio State has that nobody else has? And, and that's talent. They, Absolutely. They have oodles and oodles of talent. One of the concerns was the backup quarterback. Who was that going to be? Uh, Gunnar Hoke, kid from Dublin Kaufman from Kentucky, transferred up here. And I guess the, the biggest difference, um, and I was speaking with Gunnar's dad, is that you know Kentucky has really good players, mm -hmm. but maybe they go too deep, where Ohio State has really good players that go five deep. So they just have a bunch of talent, which creates two things. It creates constant competition within practice. Then during the season, if somebody goes down – they usually have somebody pretty good where sure. there's not much of a drop-off. The big question for Ryan Day, I think finer on offense. Uh, offensive line's fine. Running back's fine. A boatload of young, talented wide receivers that nobody knows about yet, not to mention the guys that are coming back from last year. Defend defense will be fine. But uh, it's a quarterback. It always is the quarterback. Sure. It's going to be the quarterback. And I, and I think what you're going to see from Justin is um, – you know, the comparisons are being made. Have you heard this about Cam Newton? I mean, this is like a young Cam Newton, not sure. maybe quite as – Not quite <laughs> as big. No, but – But, yeah, sure. I mean, he fits that that role. That's And that brings me to my question about Ryan Day, and you mentioned that the relative lack of experience and – I mean, these guys are talented, Gunnar Hoke and Chuganoff, but they're not yeah. five-star guys. I mean, you know, the Joe Burrow transfer was not a big deal because you had Tate Martell and you had – you know, Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, but Tate Martell's getting moved down to move to wide receiver yeah. in Miami. So I realize. So you know, we were right about that all along. But but the the point is, like Justin Fields is the guy who has the recruiting profile, at least, of an Ohio State starting quarterback. Correct. And he is a runner and he is a thrower. And when you run a quarterback, you put him in peril. We all remember JT Barrett against Michigan. So I guess my question that I expect Ryan Day to face Tuesday at his press conference is how do you decide because Justin Fields is a weapon running the ball, but he is your only guy that you probably feel great about going into the season at quarterback, is how do you, how much do you trust his yeah. physicality without him getting hurt? Do I, you think they feel great about it, or do you think they feel cautiously? I, don't, I, don't think, I think cautiously optimistic would well, be. I mean, it. I think you hope for the best, yeah. but you've got a plan. You know for what the he worst. is? He's Urban Meyer's favorite type of quarterback. Yes. That's what he is. I don't know if he's Ryan Day's favorite type of quarterback, but he gives them right now the best chance to win. And there's going to be a time, as we always know, that the quarterback is going to have to win a game for you. And sometimes that quarterback has to win the game for you throwing the football. It's going to be, now, we don't know this for certain until it actually takes place on the field. But to me, it's it's going to be total opposite of what we saw with Dwayne Haskins last year. What's Dwayne doing? He's slinging it. He's slinging it. He's, he's throwing 50 he's, touchdown passes. He's, he's throwing yeah. the ball. And I think uh, with Justin, at least from what I've heard, is that he's pretty good on, on the short and intermediate routes. I think the deep ball, which is, you know, that's not an easy throw to make, is the one thing that is area improvement. But I, I think there's great uh, reason for optimism with this team. 
Uh, they're ranked fifth, preseason ranked mm-hmm. fifth. Uh, that's probably fair because of the unknown at quarterback. We think we know, but we don't know until we actually know. It's the same when Haskins took over. Correct. We 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 thought we knew, but we didn't know until we knew. So now I joked with you last week that I wanted to uh, convey my admiration for Urban's restraint and being able to stay away from practice for four whole days before he went back out there. Um, and I've had people ask me, "Does Ryan Day love it that Urban is yeah, a high profile still factor?" Because there's two schools of thought. Number one is, "Hey, man, Urban built the program." Uh, Ryan inherited it from Urban. Ryan wouldn't be the coach if Urban didn't want him to be the coach. I mean, Ryan, uh, Urban gave him great leeway. Yeah. Ryan got a chance last year when Urban was suspended and showed that he could handle it. Um, and then the other school of thought is, hey, you know, Urban needs to separate. Urban needs to let Ryan establish himself as a leader, establish the fact that it's his program. So where do you stand on that? What's the right balance? Well, um, I actually had a chance to spend some time with Urban and – I think he understands that that balance mm-hmm. that needs to be established. And just because he shows up to practice, make no mistake that those guys understand that Ryan Day is the head coach. And h- how much of a benefit, Bruce? Now, you've covered and been around football your whole adult life. How much of a benefit it is for Ryan Day to have that experience from last year? So it's no not doubt. a huge adjustment no. for these guys. And it's not a huge adjustment if Urban Meyer's sitting there walking around a practice field. So whoever asked you that, I would say it's not a big deal. In fact, I would almost say that it's a benefit for Ryan Day because you football coaches as, as a species are, you know, I'm in my lane. Right. I don't want to be distracted. And so if Urban comes out to practice, guess what's not the story? It's not Ryan Day. It's not, hey, Justin Fields was uh, 10 for 10 for yeah. perfect rating today in practice, or he was 0 for 10. That's not the story. So I think Ryan Day, first of all, respects Urban. I think Ryan welcomes Urban at practice because he looks at Urban as a net gain. Uh, and the, the, the positive far outweighs any negative. And personally, and I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't see any negative in him being there. I think it's only a positive. Well, the one thing I would say about Urban is that he certainly understands where the line is. You know, Urban's not yeah. going to listen to a player coming over if there are complaints, he's not going to try to step into a drill and coach the team. No. He's going to know where the line is. And uh, I talked to somebody yesterday who's around the team and with the team every day, not a reporter, but somebody right. who's inside the team. And I asked him the question, and he said, the coaches love it. They all love it that Urban's there. That yeah. you know. So uh, that's the, the viewpoint at this time. Uh, I do think, though, it speaks to the fact that I think uh, people – and the other question people ask is, is Urban going to coach again? Is Urban going to coach again? And I – I don't know how he's going to feel when he's with Fox and he's out on <laughs> campus and he's out in an environment. You might be the guy. I, you'd be the guy to speak to that because yeah, when you were with him the year he did ESPN, uh, say that, that kind of drove him crazy, didn't it? To be that close but not as close as he wanted to be. So it's it's totally different. He is totally. But did different. that drive him crazy then? I just want to know. If, I think he, he had the itch it. then. Yeah, I yeah. think he would go into a. We would go into meetings, and he would be talking with assistant coaches, and he and I would get on the board and start X and O and things, or he'd be on a board with other coaches. I think there was no doubt in Urban's mind back then, yet, yes, I'm definitely going to coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I had a chance to speak with him um, a couple weeks ago, he's happy 
being who he is right now. He's right now. And I asked him point blank. I said, you know, or, you know, how's it going to be once the season starts? And if you, if you spend enough time with him, he's very honest. I think he was he's, always. He's extremely I mean, honest. I mean, he was always honest up until <laughs> Chicago. <All right>. Okay. <laughs> well, I got to say that. I mean, it's the truth. That's why he got suspended. But, but my point, the, the point being is that, you know, from, from his press conferences and all that stuff, yeah. he just throws it out there. Yeah. And he doesn't know, but I, I can say this. Right now, I don't think he'll coach. I mean, I'm asked that all the time too, right? Because, oh, you know, we, when we were out in Los Angeles – Every well, Clay Helton out with the SC Trojans, you know, he's the next guy to get fired. Urban Meyer's right down the street from USC. You know, is he going to be over to USC? He's got Matt Leinart and Reggie yeah. Bush in his ear yeah, every yeah. week. Yeah. yeah, and plus a, a lot of other alumni. But um, I, I think when when you look at that, uh, Bruce, there's uh, right now I would say it's ninety ten that he doesn't coach again. And, and I and I say that with all sincerity, but. I'm uh, Urban's like me. He's like you. I mean, three weeks ago we weren't doing a podcast. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> three, I mean, three, it is. two weeks ago you weren't going back into media. That's you were going right. to do something else. Going to do something else. <laughs> but here that's we right. are. Yeah. You know. So so times change. And yeah. We'll see whether that, change. We'll see whether that changes. But I do know that he's enjoying being. A, I mean, he when he talks about being a grandfather, it's just I I, I don't know why I'm not really looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're going to love it if and I, when I, it happens, but it's a long I, way I off. I am, but I I'm, I think I'm looking forward, not when they're like uh, three months or six months or eight months, maybe when they're like, you know, getting their first game and stuff. And I don't picture any diaper, <laughs> diaper changes <laughs> falling on Grandpa's watch. No, I, I mean, I'm, uh, this is really weird, but I'm not really looking. I mean, yeah, it's cute. Woo, let me hold it. Air care, take the baby from 10 yeah. now. I'm done. I'm good. Yeah, well, it's not your <laughs> gift. What can I say? <laughs> All right, so let's switch to the uh, let's switch to the Cleveland Browns. Um, there is no Urban Meyer hanging around the facility for Freddie Kitchens to draw upon. Freddie Kitchens is a rookie coach. Mm-hmm. Freddie Kitchens was a great offensive coordinator, and he certainly got the team uh, to function at a high level offensively once he took over uh, the offense last season when Greg Williams was the interim coach. But now it's a whole different deal and a lot of different expectations mm. and a lot of volatile personalities and a lot of optimism, which is not usual in Cleveland. Do people ask you if you believe in the Browns? Oh, constantly. And, and what's your response? Uh, on paper, yes. On paper, I do believe in the Browns because there is a ton of talent. Mm-hmm. You have the essential position where I think the guy – can be a potential pro bowler. Perennial Talking about pro Baker, Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. But he's also volatile, right? And his emotions didn't really affect his game much last year. But I think negatively. They, I think they affect it positively. I think yeah, he feeds off that. I, I do. Uh I, I also think that that can also hurt you. Yeah, and you and I've had many discussions over the years about the value or the um lack of value in being chip on the shoulder guy you've always kind of defended that because you said you were chip on the shoulder guy. I, I was but I think that position is its own entity it, it lives in its own world and so you can't make emotional decisions as a quarterback you can make emotional decisions as a linebacker mm-hmm. as long as you're going through your gap emotional decisions as a quarterback and what I mean by emotional decisions say things aren't going well say 
I, this is hypothetical, obviously. So nobody knows until something happens or the season plays out. Say OBJ gets two catches for, we were talking about this the other day, three weeks in a row. Two catches, eight yards, three weeks in a and, row, but he's opening things yeah, up for other guys. And then he goes and starts to um, moan in and complain, and the yeah. Baker, throw me the ball, throw me the ball. I brought it here, throw me the ball. And Baker says, I'll throw the ball who I want to throw the ball right. to. Don't you worry about it. Then, you know, that could escalate and cause problems. So that's my, I think my only concern was, is, and I'm not saying he can or can't because I don't know. First of all, are they going to be able to keep it together with with uh, big egos? I mean, Jarvis Landry's a big ego, yes, too. Is. And, and that they're not any different than any other wide receivers, by the way. True. But can they manage egos, right? That's one thing. The other thing, if things do go awry and there's bickering within the building, can Freddie Kitchens stamp that out? We don't know. I mean, I'm reading on uh, some stories today on Freddie Kitchens, and, and, you know, Baker's sitting there saying that it's the GQ's fault that he called out Daniel Brown and that there were idiots. Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. Yeah. That they were idiots for taking Daniel Jones. Well, that's what he said. That's what he said. I guess the way I picture it yesterday, and I heard an interview uh, with the GQ writer with Colin Cowherd, and it sounded to me like he was interviewing him while the draft was on. Mm Mm-hmm. And as it, ha- and I'm giving Baker the benefit of the doubt on this. Maybe it didn't happen this way, but Baker said, you know, maybe let's let's picture Daniel Jones is on the board. They or the Giants are on the board. They take Daniel Jones, and Baker then says, "What everybody said, I can't believe they took Daniel Jones number six. Yeah. The problem with that is, if it wasn't in that format, you got to be smarter. Yes, in that format, in that moment, I'll give him a pass. If it was not in that moment, That's if a good it was point. any time after that, then to me, it's it's. My first thought is it's Baker Mayfield punching down. Why? One of the things I've struggled with in my life, one of the mistakes I've made in my life, is pushing other people down to lift myself up. And Baker Mayfield doesn't need to push Daniel Jones down to raise himself up. That was one thought that I had. The other thought that I had was if there's anybody who ought to defend Daniel Jones being taken six, it's Baker Mayfield. A lot of people thought the Browns were nuts to pick him number one. Yeah, I thought Baker Mayfield even said he was surprised he went number one overall. So why is he not defending this kid? And um, his, his argument that, well, he hasn't won, I have two thoughts on that. Number one, you haven't won in the NFL. And number two, what is he? I think Daniel Jones was either two games over or two games under 500 at Duke. Hey, Baker, if you wanted to prove that you could win without talent around you, then you should have stayed at Texas Tech. Yeah. Shouldn't have transferred to Oklahoma. Well, speaking of which, uh, speaking of guys who haven't won, but or look on the cusp of winning would be a quarterback from Texas Tech named Patrick Mahomes. Well, he's won at a higher level than Baker Mayfield. Yeah. I think the Browns and won Jared one game Goff, against a team with a winning record last year. Who did season. not win at Cal Berkeley. Yeah, I mean, if you want to grade... They won the protest wars, but they didn't win the fo- much on the football People field. People still in trees <laughs> out there from Spiel's trips to Berkeley. Um, but Baker Mayfield, to say he hasn't won, like if you have a playoff berth or two under your belt, that's yeah. a card you can play in the NFL. I don't know that the Oklahoma card works in grading Daniel Jones at this point in time. I just thought it was unbecoming is, and completely this, unnecessary. This is, this is Baker Mayfield, right? So he, I, I think Baker, like we talked about, he's been the underdog his whole life, yeah. right? Whatever, the walk-on gear, fine, that's smart. That's Number great. one overall pick in the NFL that's draft. Great marketing. And Heisman Trophy winner, but so he's the underdog. He's not, he's not an underdog anymore. No. So he doesn't have to play the underdog role. Now, you can use that as inner motivation, but you don't need to constantly advertise, oh, if I had it so tough, nobody believes in me, when, frankly, you, got, you have a whole state believing in yeah, you exactly. a whole state we talked about this if the cleveland browns 
even get to the playoffs next year, then if the Cleveland Browns happen to make it to a Super Bowl, mm. then the Cleveland Browns happen to be on a Super Bowl, Baker Mayfield, I believe, will outgain Say it. LeBron James. It's true. Say it. It's, it's true. It's a football state. It's true. It, he, he will... I'm trying to think, and I don't know if Al Game, but he's going to be more popular and more powerful. He'll be the strongest figure in the state of Ohio. He'll be the most recognized person in the state of Ohio if this kid from Oklahoma, quote-unquote walk-on, takes the Cleveland Browns to win a Super Bowl, not a championship. They've got plenty of championships, right. not a Super Bowl. Can you imagine that he's he, he's solidified in the history of the state of Ohio Forever, and the NFL. Well, let me give you my background on that. I grew up in Western Ohio and never went to Cleveland, Ohio, until I worked in Miami, Florida, covering right. the Miami Dolphins. So in, as the Dolphins beat writer in 1986, after their season ended, I covered the playoffs. I covered the AFC Championship game in Cleveland, the drive game, where John Elway and the Broncos. And I, So I went to Cleveland, and it was my second trip there. The Dolphins had played there on a Monday night, which was Bernie Kosar, Brown's quarterback, against Dan Marino. It was a big deal because of Bernie's University of Miami ties, and I was with the Miami newspaper. But when I went back in January for that AFC championship game, the electricity in the city, the co total focus on the Browns was amazing. And now we are talking 30 years later where we can communicate instantly by social media and where we oh, know yeah. so much more about our players. I can't even fathom what it would be like. So I totally agree with you. The championship the Cavs won, Father's Day, June 2016, great, phenomenal. It ended the drought. But it'll be nothing like if the Browns have success. And the other thing about Baker Mayfield, he is – he personifies the Cleveland attitude. Underdog. Yeah. I mean, he's biting the beer can, yeah. and he gets it. He plays <laughs> he to does. it. I don't know if it's all authentic, but I think a lot of it I is authentic. A lot authentic. of it is authentic, yes. And so, yeah, I think that all works. But, again, um, Daniel Jones, not in your division, not in your conference, uh, let I, it be. I really think that uh, humility and being humbled – it's not a bad thing. No, it's and, not. And it comes in many forms. And I think that Baker has been humbled, but now he's had success. It's not how Baker May Mayfield will handle himself in humility. The question becomes, how will Baker Mayfield handle himself in success? And that's yet to be seen because the Browns haven't been, quote, unquote, successful. Yeah. So the rest of the team looks good. Obviously, Denzel Ward back for his second year. Uh, their corners are good. Their defensive this guy line you didn't is want, very but good. He's back. What's that? Denzel Ward was a guy you didn't want. I got Denzel Ward was a guy I didn't want. I wanted Bradley <laughs> Chubb, and I still want Bradley Chubb because what's the best? Straight up, straight what's, up. What's the best ability? Yeah. Availability. Yeah, How many games did Denzel Ward miss? How many? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Four, three, uh -huh. four. He's still Bradley Chubb didn't miss any. Cover guy. Yeah. Need a cover guy. You do need a cover guy. So uh, it'd be fun, though. I'm excited for the Browns. Browns I'm excited for open. Browns fans. I am too. Browns will open with Mike Vrabel at home. Yeah, the Walsh Jesuit guy bringing his uh, Tennessee Titans in there. I get to do the Browns the last preseason game in the coveted Lake Erie Ooh. Championship or whatever that's you'll battle. Get to cover, the, uh, you get to cover David Blau. <laughs> David Blau leading those Browns down the field as all the starters. There, is there anything worse? Sitting. Is there anything worse than than a, oh. a fourth preseason game? And, yes, and, and, a, I, I, yes, a, a spring game. <laughs> a spring game is worse than a fourth preseason game. No, there's I actually only, another uh, opponent in a fourth I, preseason game. I want to keep that. I, I, I'm not saying that in a disrespectful way because it's important to a lot of guys. Is it's that a network awful. game? Oh, it's the Lions. It's yeah, the it's big, the Bards. The battle for the Bards. Yeah, battle for the Bards. Thank you. The battle for the Bards, uh, yeah. 
Uh, which I want to see if you is, can lift the barge. Which is very important in the, both organizations. Have you ever the seen that thing? Yes. Uh, this would be great. This would be great it. TV. It's like touching the Heisman. See if you can <laughs> press the barge. Lift it up. It's like this wide, the thing. Uh, yeah. Crazy. I think it weighs uh, I don't act, know. as much as an actual bar. We'll see. But uh, I, I, it's important for a lot of players, but it's just really difficult to broadcast that that game. <laughs> so it's 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 fun, though, and, uh, and we'll see. But uh, I, I do think for the Browns and optimism, and it should be there, is there. The question is, that no matter what, when things start to go awry mm-hmm. – are they going to be able to keep it together? And the example that we have for that, and it's been the example for decades, are the New England Patriots. When things go bad, everybody stays together. We're under on the radar. to Cincinnati. That's their thing. Okay. They stay focused. Uh, one last thing on the Baker. You know, people might be thinking that that's controversial or a little crazy to say he'd be bigger than LeBron James. Uh, Bernie Kosar still has uh, a lot of business opportunities in Cleveland, a restaurant in Cleveland. Bernie Kosar has never ceased to be huge in Cleveland. And so no, uh, that's hero. all there for Baker Mayfield if he can become the guy who becomes the next Bernie he can Kosar. Be, he can, it can be whatever. Yeah. And if he does that, then he's earned that. Absolutely. All right. Uh, before we get to the Bengals, let's chat a little bit about Zeke's holdout. Zeke okay. Elliott, Buckeye hero, 2014 National Championship. Uh, two years left on his deal. I said when they drafted him, they'd give him 400 touches a year, and yeah. he'd have trouble getting a second contract. Uh, now here we are. He sees uh, the writing on the wall. He doesn't want to wait for his money, um, and so he's holding out. Jerry Jones, I guess, made him upset by saying Zeke who, which, I mean, yeah. come on, toughen up, Buttercup. <laughs> uh, so I would not pay him right now. I would make him come in and honor his contract. How do you feel about players who overperform their contract and rewarding them early. Running backs are at such a disadvantage. I think you'll agree with me on that. Absolutely. Correct? I'd never give a running back a second contract. Right. I never would. Yeah, and and I I can understand that. I mean, you Because I can always find another one to do what they can do. We live in a world of analytics, right? And I think the prime years for a running back are 23 to 27. So after their fifth year, most of those guys are turning 26, 27. So you might get another year or two. Mm Out of them, as far because the the amount of punishment and hits that those guys take, you you can't even imagine it. I had a doctor tell me I've, I've made over I don't even know the stats. I know it's over maybe close to eleven hundred or twelve hundred tackles in the NFL, and about eighty percent of those contact tackles that I made are equivalent to being in a car wreck, mm-hmm. and that and and so it's worse on running backs. So we look at the shelf life of running backs, and so. If I and there, there's talk about this, I don't know if you read about this or not, but I, I'm actually a proponent of this that the running backs have their own separate deal with the NFL rookies. Okay. So they come out where all rookies have to sign what four years plus an option, right? Four years, unless you're a first rounder, then it's five. Yeah. So four years. So Zeke was a first rounder. So yeah. if you're a first round running back, you have to sign four years plus the. I think it's the team option yeah. for fifth year. Right. So that I think will be something to be addressed in the CBA or that. So you're saying season. how would they structure that? Union? I would I would say for running backs it's two years two plus year a team option. Okay. So I don't know if we can get to that, but I think it's owners will never. Get uh, no, no, but I I think but I think it makes sense. That's my point. I think it's fair. I don't I I don't blame Zeke Elliott one bit. I don't blame Melvin Gordon 
one bit for holding out. Would you pay Melvin Gordon? I wouldn't. That's not saying I'm going to pay him. No, I, I, would, I don't blame them. Two things can be true at once. That's I under, exactly I true. I understand why they want the money. I just understand why I wouldn't give him the money. Well, it doesn't make financial sense for teams to give the guy that kind of money going into his fifth or sixth year. It Who's makes the best zero running sense. back in the NFL? Everybody would say, last year at this time, who would everybody have said? If it's not Zeke, who? Todd Gurley, right? Todd Gurley. Yeah. Todd which, Gurley got hurt during the season. What did the Rams do? Yeah. They went out and got C.J. Anderson, a guy that another team had let go, correct? Yeah. And how did C.J. Anderson perform? Then couldn't get a carry in Carolina. Yeah. Goes to L.A. The Rams aren't in the Super Bowl. C.J. Anderson's not on that football team. And his cost is considerably less than Todd Gurley to the point where if you ask the Rams right now, would you like out yeah. of the Todd Gurley deal? They'd say, yeah. Yeah, but I, you know, I, I look, I'm not, I'm not going to begrudge. One thing I learned as a player, and this, I might, you might be on a total opposite end of the spectrum here. As players, now, there's a little bit of difference, like, between what Zeke's doing and say what Antonio Brown's doing, although he was at practice recently with his helmet. But it's, you kind of begrudge a guy because he's holding out. I never heard of anything like that, not coming to practice or whatever because he doesn't like his helmet. It's insane. Or give himself frostbite in some freezing Don't machine. wear wet socks. Ask Manny so, Harris. <laughs> so my, my, my point being is, is that as a player with the Cowboys, guys take care of their money. They, players respect that when it comes down to money and I think players in the NFL today understand the nature of the beast at running back mm -hmm. it is vicious it is brutal folks it's if you've never I hate to go right. like I've been somewhere where you haven't but I've had the privilege of standing on an NFL sideline you cannot imagine <laughs> it's, it is it is the term cringeworthy was invented for the contact on an NFL field He's not overstating it when the impact could be like a car accident. Only there are no airbags. No. And no seatbelts. It's amazing the contact guys take. So I would I was actually looking at uh I did an event and they had a highlight thing of me and they had some uh, big hits that I had as a player and I was like, man, what was I thinking? You know, I mean, how did I do that? Because and and I I would do it all over again. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but I'm paying a price now. There's certain physical ailments that I deal with on a daily basis, which is fine. So does everybody. You do. You have shoulder replacement. What ortho one? <laughs> what, what, yes, Doctor Maletti. Doc, doc, yeah, we can say all that now. Yeah, we can. Doctor sure. Pete Edwards, Doctor William Pete Fitz, Edwards, uh, yeah. all those guys. But um, I, I think for for me, I, I, if I were running back, I'd probably be doing the same thing as Zeke. I think it, it would be. A mistake for him to hold out after the first game. Uh, Jerry Jones is doing that because he's just joking around. Obviously, the Cowboys have been, I think, very generous with Zeke Elliott as far as... We what, haven't even talked about the concern that he presents to them <laughs> off the field. But that's my point. Yeah. That, But I also know that that's a different subject with the Cowboys and Zeke Elliott than the actual being able to pay him the money that it he is, wants to. It is, but I can't commit a ton of money to you is he going to be in there? advance because I don't know when the next midnight phone call's coming. Yeah, that's true. Notice I didn't say if a midnight phone call's coming. I said when the next midnight phone yeah. call's coming because he was just in the commissioner's office a month or so ago over something that with he did Vegas in, a, in the Vegas thing that was completely avoidable. So uh, one of the things you said... Here's the book, folks. That's why I'm here, the Chris and Stephanie Spielman story about NFL players, linebackers. You said, 
you have to launch yourself headlong, willingly launch yourself headlong into other people and not care about the consequences. And likewise, you mentioned your thousand and some tackles in the NFL. You were really, really, really good, four-time pro bowler. You didn't make every tackle. Unless a running back runs to the end zone, he's getting tackled every time by somebody. Uh, Yeah, every single time. Um, now in defensive linebackers, you're also hitting 350 pound men that have bad intentions for you. Sure. So that's on top of the, the tackles, that's which right. I'm, believe me, I do it in a heartbeat all over again. And, and, uh, with the consequences, I, uh, and knowing the risk, I would still do what I did without hesitation, but the running back position is such a different position, Bruce. And you'll see now that teams are smart and they're having two or three or even four on the roster. Yeah. You need those guys because you're going to go through them. Inevitably, somebody's going to get dinged or nicked. No doubt. There's outliers like Adrian Peterson, but those guys are truly outliers. Like a guy that's kind of fallen off the map real quick now, maybe because he's on a, a, a bad team, is uh, David Johnson for the Cardinals, who at one time was considered the best oh. running back in the league, right? Combo back. Receiving the unbelievable yeah. talent. Injury. We'll yeah. see how he comes back from that. Who talks about David Johnson? Nobody. 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 All right. So as we uh, transition then, Cincinnati Bengals, first-year coach. Um, he's got the Rams glow on him, Zach Taylor. Um, former Nebraska guy. Former Nebraska guy. Uh, boy, not a lot of buzz about the Bengals, and that kind of feels a little justified to me. <sighs> I hate to say it, and I hope I'm wrong. And here's the other thing, too. This This – by the way, this isn't a podcast where we're going to sit here and root for people to no. fail. or No, not at all. Take joy in other people's misery or failures. That's not the truth. I want them to do well, but I also want to be able to to be honest. I, I just don't see it happening. Is Andy Dalton a guy? I, I, I don't think so. I mean, maybe he will be. I don't know. Is Joe Mixon going to be better? I don't know. Is the offensive line going to be better? No. What are we going to do on defense? You know, you lose your best player. Granted, you couldn't count on him. It was Vontaze Perfect, Correct. right? They do have some uh, pieces. You lose A.J. Green on the first day of training camp, mm. which is killer, Brutal. which is it kills that team. Yeah, it does. Uh, he's such uh, and, a and, weapon. You know, and, and maybe because they were practicing on a field they shouldn't have been practicing on. I get it. You're doing the uh, reach out to the community yeah, in well, Dayton, but yeah. welcome stadium turf. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, well, the, that's another thing I want to get into is the amount of money that the, the team's spend on facilities and their players with safety and well-being and the best of the best and the Bengals are practicing on welcome stadium the turf was bad i get it too but i guarantee you that i i a i don't want to say it a more liberal organization with their money would walk to that stadium they would have that field examined and if it wasn't up to the standards of the head's groundskeeper yeah. that each team employs, right. there's no, no, it not going on there. there. That ain't, ain't going to happen. I'll say this for Zach Taylor. If it's going to take you a while to build it, you're with the right organization. If Freddie Kitchens that's goes true. four and 12, he's that's, gone. That's true. Zach Taylor can go four and 12, and Mike Brown has extreme patience, and is I can't fathom that he would get fired for a bad first season. He'll have ample time to build it because Mike Brown doesn't like paying guys to do work they're not doing. He doesn't pay coaches not to coach. No. And look, I don't know. Uh, You have to, you judge Zach Taylor on, okay, well, he's the next Sean McVay. Well, I don't know if there is another Sean McVay. And a lot of guys who are going to be the next Belichick. So far, there's only Belichick. Okay. But who's, who's succeeded so far? 
from the Belichick tree. On the Belichick tree. tree? Yeah. I don't know. Do you consider Bill O'Brien a success? I, I, he's playoff. He's taking that team to the playoffs. Right. He's he Eric still Man, has a job. Eric Mangini didn't. No. Romeo Cornell didn't. No. Uh, I don't see Matt Patricia succeeding. We'll I see. Put you in a jackpot I think they're going to be no. I think they're going to win ten games this year. Oh really? I okay. do. Well then, I could I'm be way wear off. Wear my hat on backwards, no. grow a beard, and put a pencil behind my ear. <laughs> <laughs> then yell at the media Gain for not, eighty pounds. Then yell at the media for not sitting up straight. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> uh, generally, the Belichick tree has not borne much fruit. So we'll see if the Sean McVay tree bears much fruit. Yeah, I think you can make an argument that Bill Bryan's been the most successful off of that. We'll have to think yeah. about that. I have to but think But he hasn't more. been to a conference championship game. No, but I think they're they're on the cusp. They're okay. probably, I had a chance to watch them last Thanks week. Thanks to my Browns, they have the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, he's good, dude. Oh, man. Well, you good. were right on that one. Yeah. And then we gave him Duke Johnson, too, yeah. just in case. <laughs> he needs a little more help. Be glad to help. Their problem, their problems, though, with the offensive line, if you look at the Texans, I think just – Going off topic here because we can. They gave up 62 sacks last year. Now, but a lot of that too is on Deshaun Watson, who's yeah. going to hold the ball and run around yeah. a little bit. Yeah. But for the Bengals, we'll see. I'll be wrong. Joe Mixon has to play huge. The offensive line has to play well. Uh, I, I don't. John Brown eventually, or is it John Brown, or what's the kid's name? John um, Ross. The kid John Ross. John Ross. Washington. Yeah. I'm thinking of the He's former so fast, Cardinals. We can't receiver. remember his name. <laughs> John Ross has to actually stay healthy. The loss of AJ Green hurts. the ball. We'll see with the Bengals. I don't know. I, I yeah. it's so hard to tell. Like Tyler I, Boyd, we both like Tyler Boyd. I right? love Tyler yeah. Boyd. I thought that was a great move to re-sign yeah. Tyler Boyd. He's a great number two next to AJ Green. Uh, and I maybe, like William Green. You know, William and, Green, and really good, really good corner. Mixon has to have a, a, a really good year. Yes, he He's does. a good player. He yeah, really he is. is. I just don't know about the offensive line. Uh, but I'm excited to find out. All right. So that's this edition of the Spielman and Hooley podcast. Look for us on YouTube. Spielman and Hooley is the channel. Look for us online, SpielmanandHooley.com. Follow Chris on Twitter at Chris underscore Spielman. Follow me on Twitter at Hools. And we'll get you an email address, and you can send us questions, and we'll make that a part of the show going forward. Anything else you want to say before we're out of here today? Uh, no. Have a blessed day. All right. Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon.